and welcome to the Energetic Principles Podcast. I'm your host, Melissa LaFera, an astrologer, tarot consultant, and all-around creative from sunny San Diego, California. And this is the 33rd episode of the podcast for the week of December 17th, 2018. So let's break it down a bit. Here's what to expect. The goal is to help guide and prepare you for the utmost awareness of the energy in the moment. For if you use the energy consciously, it has a better chance of working for you. I'll kick off the show with a weekly astro report, along with a few tarot polls and our animal ambassador of the week. Then a guest will join me in conversation around a chosen topic. And this week, I'm so happy to welcome back Montreal-based astrologer and archetypal theorist Mars Gradiva to join me in a discussion on the Capricorn generation. So just a quick heads up here before we get started, um, that I will be off air once again for the week of the holiday, for the week of the 24th, but I will return on the 31st to ring in the new year with the absolutely fabulous April Elliott Kent, uh, and we will be discussing a planetary overview for 2019. So I hope you are as excited about that as I am, but just a heads up that I will be off next week. Uh, So also before we get started here, please remember, as always, take what resonates and leave the rest because only you know you best. So thank you so much for joining me here today. And if you'd like to show appreciation for my work and get early Sunday access for as little as $1 per month, you can do so on Patreon at patreon.com backslash energetic principles. So let's get down to this week's astro report. Our lunar lady continues along in her waxing phase as we start out the week in the fiery enthusiasm of Aries, before Luna settles into the earthy stability of Taurus on Tuesday. She remains in this steadfast zone until moving into communicative and on-the-go Gemini on Thursday. And so Luna will increasingly grow in light as she squeaks into Cancer to make a full moon opposition on Saturday at zero degrees Cancer. So she will remain in this watery zone for the rest of the weekend. So just a quick heads up that all time approximations are for North America. So if you live in Europe at about eight hours, and if you are in Australia or the East at about 17 hours or basically the following day. And keep in mind, you know, timing is not always precise as astrological transits, otherwise known as the connections that planets make to one another, have varied emphasis as they apply and separate, and especially as they connect your own chart. (laughs) So it's quite possible to feel the energy sooner or later than the exact moment of contact. All right, friends. Well, this week we have the turning of the seasons as the sun wraps up its stay in Sagittarius, crosses the galactic center, and then hits that zero degree solstice point, which is the initiation of the start of winter here in the Northern Hemisphere and the summer in the Southern, and where Capricorn season officially begins. A full moon then greets us at zero degrees Cancer and Capricorn, creating a turning point of significant proportions. Uh, So this week should be rather significant in the turning of the page. So let's not waste any time and dive right in. 
On Monday, we start out the week with the moon in Aries, and she will make a square to Pluto, a trine to the sun, and then a conjunction to Uranus uh, much later in the day. And so we don't have any aspects going on uh, that are exacting on Monday, but the bottom line is that we are getting a taste of the upcoming sun trine Uranus transit as the moon moves through fiery Aries, a sign that desires change and progress. So we may feel the sense that life is speeding up and we are ready to shake things up a bit. Chances are there will be a great impatience and restlessness to the day, but also an element of illumination as we feel in harmony as we get inspired by what is next. There may be some growing pains, yet those will pass while we are in motion. You can expect the unexpected in the earlier half of the week. Uh, So as Metallica would say, get ready to ride the lightning. Now, on Tuesday, the moon is in Taurus and will make a trine to Saturn and then an opposition to Venus. And so once again, we don't have any uh, aspects that are perfecting that day. But the bottom line for Tuesday is that energy will stable out as we can take care of more mundane and security-oriented matters while Luna tours through Taurus and approaches a trine with Saturn all day. So if you've started something in the few days prior, you can now work steadily at this endeavor. And this is a great day to get grounded and consolidate matters with others or with actual physical possessions. The pace will slow a bit, and the evening's opposition to Venus can have us feeling a little more lazier and indulgent than usual. So if you're on a diet, watch the diet, (laughs) Um, because we can definitely slip in our Venusian ways on Tuesday. All right, so Wednesday, the moon is still in Taurus, and she will make a sextile to Neptune very early in the morning, so watch those dreams, Uh, a trine to Pluto, and then a sextile to Mars. And so once again, uh, all our aspects are saving themselves to the end of the week. (laughs) So the bottom line for Wednesday is, is that Luna continues along in the stability of the bowl, and we have energy at our disposal to plod along our course and continue to see tangible results from our efforts. We may be clearing away things from the past that have run their course in our lives and feeling good about the changes that are being made. We are decisive, focused, and ready to work. Now, on Thursday, the moon is in Gemini and will make an opposition to Mercury and uh, as well as Jupiter later in the day, because keep in mind, Mercury and Jupiter are about to meet in conjunction. And so uh, a a transit of note that's happening on Thursday and really developing for the first half of the week here, and just we're feeling it all the whole week, is that the sun will be making a trine to Uranus, who is currently retrograde. Um, And so the sun, the sun is our, you know, our vitality, that turning of a page where we become aware, consciously aware of something. Um, And a trine is very sudden and flowing, and it can have rapid development, um, where it's just like, bam, it's here, you know, and things are just flowing. And so Uranus, uh, Uranus can definitely bring the unexpected, where it kind of shakes us up to help free something or liberate something or give us a turnaround in some area of our life. Um, but really, it does that through an awakening of um, a lot of times through our intuition, you know, things come down that way, or we're just kind of uh, especially in fire signs here, we're, we're illumined, we're light, lighting up this week. And so with the sun meeting Uranus in that flowing 
flowing fire trine. Say that three times fast. (laughs) There's likely to be an excitable and restless energy in the air, yet in a way that gives us something to be pumped up about. It's quite possible that this week will bring some type of aha or a light bulb moment your way, particularly within your own independent direction or personal life story. Intuitive understandings can come through in order to help purify and make changes in our lives based off of a higher internal wisdom and faith in in what is in store for the future. With the sun also conjunct the galactic center, there is an extra juice to this trine that is really helping us align with our cosmic truth. There's a self-acceptance and an I've got to be me type of energy that helps us to commit to this expanded picture that is coming in as if we are awakened to a new adventurous part of ourselves. So go with the flow of this stimulating energy. And if you have the chance, take on some new experiences as they can be very enlightening at this time. New technology or working with a fresh approach may be what is on offer now. And with any Uranus transit, we can always say, expect the unexpected. Um, And, you know, Uranus is still retrograde. Uh, We'll go direct in the early part of January. So this might be an internal process um, in some regards. So just be aware of that. And so the bottom line for Thursday is is that the sun is at the final degree of Sagittarius, and we are feeling the Mercury-Jupiter conjunction brewing as Luna will oppose both planets later in the day. And so with the moon now in busy Gemini and the sun officially making its trine to Uranus on a critical degree, life is likely to speed up again and things can seem restless and a bit haywire, yet exciting all at the same time. And so communications are likely to be up at this time with texts, calls, and emails coming out of the blue, and we may have to juggle many things at once, uh, as any good Gemini would know. (laughs) If you feel a little scattered, that is par for the course, uh, because we are juggling. So embrace the changeable and expressive nature of the day, and I think you'll be good to go. Now, on Friday, the moon is still in Gemini, uh, and she will make a square to Neptune early in the morning and then a square to Mars uh, later in the day. And so Friday, we definitely have some things going on. Um, Well, we have Venus, who will be making a trine to Neptune. We have Mercury, who will be perfecting that conjunction with Jupiter. And then we have the sun moving into Capricorn and otherwise known as our solstice and more specifically the winter solstice if you are here in Northern America. All right. So where do we begin? Well, let's start with Venus trine Neptune. So Venus, you know, Venus is what we open up to, uh, our relationships or how we relate to other people, how we cultivate balance and harmony in our lives, and that, uh, also a creative type of impulse. And once again, we have that trine energy going on, much like the sun and Uranus. You know, these planets are flowing rather nicely together, and it's removing all obstacles and rapidly developing things in our lives. And so what are we developing? Well, that is Neptune. And so Neptune, you know, is a double-edged sword of, cor- of sorts. Uh, it can definitely make us a little get bit confused or can dissolve things from our life. And it also removes boundaries, much like the trine does. But it also can give us spiritual inspiration um, and just kind of lift us up in this more, uh, like a more nebulous type of realm. So with Venus meeting Neptune in water signs, there's an emotional and feeling-based dreaminess that is permeating the air. 
Creative activities are more certainly favored, uh, or excuse me, most certainly favored, as there is an illuminating connection that is running from spirit and just waiting to be received. So you can put your antenna up there and see what you kind of bring down at this time. Uh, And there is also likely to be romance in the air, and the compassion of spiritual love can be felt more, more now than most times. And so a tenderness is arising to help us soften enough to lose all pretense and be open to the changes that are taking place for greater harmony. So life just looks a little bit sweeter right now because we have that Neptunian, uh, you know, glamour or (laughs) glaze that's going over. Um, But also, if anything is in need of release at this time, there can actually be a lot of peace found through the letting go process. So keep that in mind. Now, with Mercury making its uh, conjunction to Jupiter, uh, so Mercury are, you know, how we process things that come in, like information, um, communications, uh, how we learn, you know, it's just that that brain power that's working, um, but also our messenger, where we get messages. messages. Um, and so we have a conjunction. So this is a new cycle that is emerging uh, as these two planets come together and become one. Um, and so what is our messenger merging with? Well, that is Jupiter. And Jupiter wants us to grow and move in life and to expand beyond where we currently are. And so please take note that this is the last of three conjunctions that played an important role in the Mercury retrograde story. The first conjunction happened on October 29th, uh, the second in November 27th. And then now we have our last conjunction on December 21st. Um, And so, you know, you can expect this aspect to unfold a lot of what we worked on via the mind during that period, particularly the retrograde period that just went down. So now that we've reached our final meeting of this planetary matchup, this conjunction being the second mate in Sagittarius, we are reinforcing a new understanding around a broadened view of the world and our story within it. Paired with the Sun-Uranus trine I spoke of earlier, there is an enthusiasm and optimism in the air that is helping the mind to expand and adapt to revised belief systems so that we may seed a new vision and belief in ourselves and the quest we are on. We are likely to be inspired and ready for what is next. And this could be a good time for business transactions, especially in education or travel, as long as the Venus-Neptune haze isn't affecting your view. This combo can also result in an overlooking of details or being overconfident about one's position. So be aware of that in the process. But overall, I think this will be an uplifting transit that reinforces much of what we have already been mulling over previously. It's like a final seeding. It's like you've been, do I plan it? Do I plan it? Do I plan it? Now I plan it. (laughs) All right. So the sun, the sun's moving into Capricorn in our solstice season. So that celestial clock chimes into its solstice position as we experience the winter solstice here in the northern hemisphere and the summer solstice in the southern. So for us in the north, we'll be experiencing the shortest day and the longest night, which is also symbolic of winter arriving. And with the darkening of the light, our sun moves from the expansive, bountiful territory of Sagittarius and into the constricting and stabilizing energy of Capricorn, transitioning us from the inspiration stage to the hard work it takes to bring heaven down to earth. 
And since Mars and I will be talking on Capricorn in more depth in the guest segment, I'll leave my comments on the solar change to that part of the show. So stay tuned for that. All right, so a lot going on on Friday. We are definitely turning. I think the weekend will be eventful for that. So the bottom line for Friday is that we embark upon the shortest day of the year as a winter solstice arrives. We are probably in for another talkative day with Luna carrying along in Gemini and approaching her full position the next day. Life is busy, and it may take us a little bit to get going in the morning with that square to Neptune and Venus also trining in. A square to Mars later in the day can have us feeling emotionally irritated or particularly indulgent in partaking in our own worlds. As the sun is crossing signs as well, this may feel like an unusual day overall. So go with the flow and have a merry solstice. All right, so we made it to the weekend. So now it's Saturday, and the moon is in Gemini very early in the day, but it basically uh, apexes into our full moon at zero degrees Cancer, um, which will happen here at 9.49 a.m. on the Pacific coast. And so the moon will sextile Uranus and then, of course, make that opposition to the sun, which is our full moon. All right, so full moon in Cancer at zero degrees, another critical degree, and the moon is in its domicile because Cancer rules the moon. So we have a strong full moon taking place here. Um, And so we are, you know, we're actually wrapping up the solar eclipse that happened during the summer when we had our new moon in Cancer, uh, which was really starting off the eclipse seasons that have to do with our nodal switch um, since the nodes have moved into Cancer and Capricorn. So there is a lot of dynamic action that happened during the summer, and now we're kind of apexing the beginning of that energy. And this is also our second full moon at zero degrees, which is a critical, um, uh, it's a critical uh, degree in any sign, basically that 29 or zero degrees, but particularly because it is a, uh, a solstice point or a cardinal point. And so we can consider this to be a dynamic full moon as the sun and moon are meeting in opposition with those two cardinal solstice points. And so we have been working since the summer to reach this turning point, and now the time is officially here. So give yourself a pat on the back because it's been quite a journey. Um, And, you know, these critical points, zero degrees, can really shake things up. Yet I have a feeling we know what we are shaking up, and it's now time to take the responsibility to make the decisions necessary in order to do what is needed to nurture ourselves. I will have an upcoming article out here shortly that will be much more in-depth on this lunation, so be sure to sign up for my mailing list so that you can receive the Moon article straight to your inbox. And you can do that at energeticprinciples.com. It's right on the front page and at the bottom of the bottom of the front page. And also, if you'd like to support the podcast, one of the ways you can do so is by signing up for my moon horoscopes that are on Patreon. And so I write a moon horoscope for each sign along with a spirit animal that is assigned for you for this, uh, for the lunation. And it's only $3 per month. And so you usually get two uh, horoscopes and you get early access to the podcast. So it's just a a little way of saying thank you, supporting uh, my efforts, but also getting something in return. So if you're interested in that, you can check that out at patreon.com backslash energetic principles. All right, so the bottom line for Saturday is that we wake up with an excitement in the air as Luna connects with Uranus, and there may be some headlines that pop up surrounding this day, as these are critical points in the zodiac that we are now touching down on. 
And so sensitivity is in the air as the moon is full and the waters of cancer stimulate our subconscious realm. Feelings win out over reason, and matters of the home or nurturing our loved ones may take importance. You may come to a big decision on a day like today, so hold space and protect the shifts that are taking place. All right, so we've made it to Sunday. And so the Sunday, we still have the moon in Cancer. Uh, She'll make a really early opposition to Saturn, a trine to both Neptune and Venus, and then an opposition to Pluto. And so we have done all our transits for the week, which was well than enough. So the bottom line for Sunday is, is that our Venus-Neptune trine that happened on Friday is activated as the moon chimes in to form a grand uh, trine in water with these two planets, making this a dreamy and creative kind of day. And there may not be as much energy to do a lot, yet if you drift with the flow, you'll end up in the right place. Luna will be making an opposition later in the day to Pluto, which may ruffle little emotional feathers. So have patience with whatever it is you encounter and decide to make changes to that situation if necessary. Letting go emotionally may be the best of options, especially since we have a grand trine in water. So we have, um, it can be a little easier than most days to do so. All right, so to wrap up this week, you know, wow, we have we have a dynamic week at hand as we cross the threshold of the season and the sun begins to rebirth once again. And so a turning point will likely take place as we are inspired with innovating our lives in order to realign with our stories. Now that information uh, that was necessary to do so has come in. All right, so now let's take a look at the cards because they always add a little extra something uh, to the week's energy. And so this week I drew this uh, strength card as the focus and temperance as the grounding. Uh, And with two major arcana cards chiming in this week, we could consider this week a rather fateful one. And so with strength as the focus, we are taming the beast this week as we understand and forgive parts of ourselves that may have been unruly at other times. There is a power contained within knowing thyself and having patience with our process during a considerable period of growth. We can now analyze our fears and subconscious complexes in a way that gets them under control, while also opening up to a loving influence that gives us the strength and spiritual understanding that can help achieve our aims for the future. And now with temperance as the grounding, this card, which happens to be the card of Sagittarius, as we wrap up Sagittarius season here, um, although we do have Mercury and Jupiter there, so it's not quite wrapped up, uh, is really reinforcing that by cultivating the strength that I just spoke of, we in turn create an internal harmony where the mind and the spirit meet to bring healing. That's what's great for a grand water trine as well. And so there may be two parts of you that have been going back and forth with one another uh, on the inside. And this week, we have the keys to resolve that conflict um, that has basically kept things imbalanced. So our higher selves meet our earthly selves to fuse and reconcile the the conscious with the subconscious. So open up to this tempering alchemical influence to adjust for internal balance. All right, so last but certainly not least, this show is brought to you by this week's animal ambassador, the starfish. Well, as 
you can hear, the starfish really doesn't make much noise. However, there is a message that our unique little sea creature wishes to share. And that is one of divine love and inspiration, as they are the stars of the sea. They have a beautiful and alluring quality to them that can help bring brilliance if we feel our way around. For their lack of sight and sound, as we heard earlier, has ramped up the feeling and intuitive qualities of this animal. So it helps feel itself around. And with our grand water trine in uh, a full moon in Cancer, that might be absolutely necessary, that feeling function. And so another message the starfish brings is that of being overly reliant on what other people think of you. So if you have been putting aside a higher calling uh, and a spiritual nudging for the sake of keeping up appearances with others, this can be a time that encourages not to push your dreams aside to please others. Realize your divine nature this week and be willing to shine as your authentic true self. And so now, if you'd like to go further uh, with the energy of the week and how that will impact you personally, I encourage you to check out my tarot subscription on Patreon. That is my highest tier that I offer currently. Uh, It's $6 per month. But what it is, is that I create a custom card spread each week to go along with the podcast so that you can pull your own tarot cards to help customize these transits um, and kind of understand them through the tarot. Uh, So I combine the astrology with those card placements, and I also highlight a crystal each week as well as an inspirational quote. And so it's just a little package uh, to help you work through the energy. And so last week we worked on passion and purpose, and this week we will be working on aiming our bows. So if you want to find out more or check out a freebie spread, you can do so at Patreon at patreon.com backslash energetic principles. Okay, now let's meet our guest. All right, I'm so happy to welcome this week's special guest, Mars Rudiva. Thank you so much for joining me again on the podcast. Yo. (laughs) Yo, he says. (laughs) Yo, I'm back. Um, Well, I'm glad to have you back in all your casualty. That's the word of the I know. We were, we were just talking about that before we started here because he's got a lot of Capricorn and Scorpio, but you've got enough Sagittarius going on to where I'm like, we were talking about trying to control things because a lot of earth signs like to, uh, you know, have control and know what's going on there. And he's like, I feel pretty chill. And I'm like, yeah, it's all the Sagittarius. So, <laughs> anywho, well, before we get started here, uh, give uh, give our listeners a little rundown of who you are, where you're residing, you know, just a little quick, it's me. Oh, hey. <laughs> oh, hi. It's me. Um, I'm Mars, and um, I live in Montreal, and I am uh, an astrologer or archetypal theorist. Yes. Words, word that I've been leaning towards recently. Which I'm very excited. Uh, I, I laughed when you said that, but at the but it was I laughed because it was very perfect. Actually, that's where I found the humor in it, and especially because today we're going to be talking about the topic of the Capricorn generation because we have Capricorn season coming up here this week in the winter solstice. Um, but there's much more that's happening in Capricorn than just um, you know this 
sun transit here because we are we are inching our way towards a very important conjunction, um, what is known as a grand conjunction in astrology, uh, because Saturn will be meeting Pluto um, in the beginning of 2020, um, along with other planets that are going to be going there. So there's going to be a Capricorn theme just going on in general. Uh, and I love that Mars has a theory to share about uh, a Capricorn generation, because this is not the first time we've had a bunch of outer planets uh, make contact in Capricorn. Is that right? <laughs> yes. Yeah. So we're going to be talking about that today. But before we get there, we're let's run down a little bit of what the you know the winter solstice is and just Capricorn season in general. Like, what is Capricorn energy, um, and what can we look out for as we move from Sagittarius to Capricorn? Which you should know, right? Having yeah. your, your little lineup there. Uh, so, what do you what do you think about this time of year? Like, what do you take from you know the turning of the Astro clock. <laughs> you mean like the winter solstice? Yeah. Or, um, well, I mean, it's like, it's a summer solstice on another part of the world. It's That's just kind true. of like a climax, just like a feeling of climax or there's like a climax of darkness. As a, I, I, Yeah, I feel like I think of it in that way as opposed to an absence of light. Mm, you know, like there's like that. a climax of this other energy. Yeah. It yeah. just to me now. Well, hey, so that's, <laughs> that's how these things work. Yeah. Um, well, and it makes a lot of sense because the idea of the winter solstice or what is also known as Yule time by you know pagan tradition and whatnot is because it's the shortest day of the year. And like you're saying, basically it is a, an apex of the dark, but the theme of it is actually welcoming back the rebirth of the sun because once mm-hmm. we meet this solstice point, then we begin to increase in light again. Um, so I like that. Say that again. What were you saying? The- I think it was something wrong. Like, um, it's, uh, God, see that? Okay, for listeners out there, this is fire for you. (laughs) You both have Mercury and fire signs, and it's it's like in the moment, and the inspiration will come to you, will come out, you'll surprise yourself, and then a second later, it's gone. So, yeah, all you fire uh, Mercuries out there, be sure to write things down. Otherwise, you'll be like me and Mars. We're like, what did did we just say? (laughs) <laughs> All our ideas are candles in the wind. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> I that's hilarious. So we're kind of we're turning a page here this week. Yeah, because yeah, Capricorn is here and we're also having that full moon uh in Cancer at zero degrees Cancer and zero degrees Capricorn. Like it's oh, yeah. Yeah. So I like how you're surprised by that. <laughs> I mean I am. <laughs> I'm like all like stuck in the past. I'm oh here well, there for the the day to day mundanes. That's funny. That's very Capricorn and uh, <laughs> Cancer as well, being stuck in that past. And we're, we're going to talk about that in a little bit. Um, just yeah. Capricorn and then the polarity of Cancer. Um, and <laughs> so, <laughs> so yeah. So we have this crazy new moon that, or sorry, full moon that is taking place at the time of the solstice, which is that turning point that we're talking about um, Mm -hmm. where the sun is about to come back in and we reach that coldest point uh, of our season, but basically winter begins. Um, So there, there's just a lot of energy this week that is 
tipping, tipping the scale in kind of a new direction. Um, and just, it's a unique solstice. We don't always have a solstice and a, a dynamic zero degree uh, cardinal full moon take place around yeah. the same time. Yeah. Do you feel that? I mean, how how has your life been, Mars? Okay. <laughs> do you feel these like uh, all this energy culminating? Because I know I do. I have been feeling some feels. Yeah. Yeah, but I have a twelfth house moon, so, so. it's like that all the time. <laughs> it's like, but yeah, I just feel like there's a lot of energy going on right now. But I feel like there's like the thing that I'm like I more notice is like maybe I'll like tie this in with the Capricorn thing is just like the slow and continual building. Mm. But I guess that is like really heightened. It's, it's, I guess it's really going to heighten a lot too in this full moon. Yeah. It's like feeling of culmination. That's mostly the thing, the feeling I get, even if it isn't like a present culmination, there's like a feeling of like uh, in the process of, of culminating. Something mm. very long, long standing. Well, that's a good point because we just joked around about how Capricorn and Cancer does kind of live in that past or that tradition or, you know, what has been and looking back or trying to conserve that in some way. And so perhaps that is like a, a culmination of, of, of the past, uh, meeting at these turning points of where we're, where we can kind of make peace with those things, you know, because basically we had a full, this full moon in particular is wrapping up um, a six month cycle of our first solar eclipse that took place now that in cancer, now that we have the, the nodes in cancer and Capricorn. So there, and we spent all this year in retrograde for the most part. Um, so yeah, no, I, I definitely think there was a lot that was probably coming up from the past, uh, especially around this summer or just things we had to like work through and sort through and, and understand and let go of and re-empower ourselves in some way. And now we're at this critical turning point um, that, like you said, will then continue on like a slow build. Like it's not like, pow, something happens on Saturday. It's more like, yeah. I realize I'm at this point now and uh, now I can basically kind of nurture this direction forward uh, now that I'm kind of clear with myself. Yeah. I think just throwing that out there. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And it does feel like a lot of things that have kind of come up from the past in the last six months. Mm. Um, and actually, I just, um, I'm, I'm kind of going to like title, I just read this like book trilogy that it was the, the Broken Earth book trilogy. Mm. And um, it won the Hugo, each book won the Hugo, Hugo Award each year that they came out so three consecutive years and so in like 2015 16 and 17 and the whole kind of like underlying current of this book is like um and it's very very popular right now it's about like kind of like paying for the sins of ancestors like people who are like long long dead right and that is kind of what i'm feeling also with like these kind of transits, especially in the last six months, like I feel like a good kind of very popular example would be like the, the Kavanaugh hearings, which is like all these kind of like very long trauma in human history having to do with um, sexual violence and violence towards women. And now it's kind of like culminating in this really like intense and public way. Mm-hmm. And and that is like very like deep kind of like ancestrally held almost like tradition, <laughs> cultural tradition to like have these like these gender roles and 
yeah, so I wonder what's going to really come out on Saturday or like in between now and then when there is this like build towards climax. I feel mm. like there probably will be something quite climactic. There's a lot of like brewing things going on in the news. So you yeah. don't really know which one will pop. I know. Everything's <laughs> popping every single day, it seems like. Yeah. But I, that's a really good point because I think that's what a lot of people, especially uh, you know older men, are really struggling with um, at this time is the fact that what was the tradition or what was considered acceptable or just a way of life um, is now coming under great scrutiny. Like in such situations, like you just said, with the Kavanaugh trial that went on, and and just you know the Me Too movement and everything that's basically taking place that was yeah. taking place there. And I mean, this isn't. new news per se, but it is reaching those more climatic points. Um, And yes, so it, so yeah, there you are like in that ancestral heritage where, you know, even just being like a generation or two back where you're brought up to be this certain way and this is acceptable. Um, But traditions change. (laughs) Yeah. Um, (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, totally. I did you have something to say? Right. Or, well, okay, I well, have so many like, Go. <laughs> I'm just going to like take that opportunity because you were just said like traditions change. And I, we didn't really talk about this, you know, like a couple minutes before starting recording. But I feel like that's like kind of like a perfect nutshell of, of the theory mm. that we're going to talk about in having to do with like the transits that happen in like the 80s and 90s. And it kind of, I want to just like kind of like plant that or like water that seed that you just planted and just be like, while you're listening, keep that in mind. Cause, um, this, for me, the, this kind of like overarching transit is about changing traditions. So it's kind of interesting that this came up and we're talking about these things that are tradition so mm. long held that we're seeing come to the surface because they need to change. Yes. In these intense ways. All right. So we're okay. So we are planting that seed of, of, okay. I like it. So now let us, let us talk about uh, cancer and Capricorn in general, because we were going to roll, roll over those types of things um, to get a picture of what that looks like. So, you know, Mars is our cap rising representative here. uh, (laughs) And you have a, you have a decent amount of planets in Capricorn. um, I'd say, and you're definitely part of the Capricorn generation that we'll be talking about here, but give me your take on Capricorn and, and, and then the polarity of cancer. Um. I feel like every time I, I would have to start with cancer to like okay. really give the, make what I'm saying make sense. Do it. Um, because cancer to me is like, it's like the most powerful of, of all archetypes. I'm not just like zodiac archetypes. I mean like all, all archetypes. Cancer is like, it's much more than just like a crab or the ocean <laughs> or like the moon. It's about, it's about memory and memory is the base of all all things like everything is made of memory memory Mm. is just two events that are tied together and the connection kind of between two events so uh that memory like our dna is memory right Mm -hmm. and so cancer is kind of like life like the literal life that animates our bodies I, i definitely see cancer as that like that kind of like hunger and satisfaction that is driving everyone 
Yeah. Well, and it's interesting too, because in, in ancient, ancient tradition, um, and there are a lot of astrologers, um, that still go by this setup, but there is a lot of talk, um, about cancer actually being the start of the Zodiac and that's where it's birthed from. So that would support your, your theory here of, of like the origin of all life. But yeah, no, that's interesting. Yeah. I mean, I would kind of agree with that thing. Yeah. Um, I mean, I don't know a ton about that. So I'm only, I'm agreeing from, from what you're saying. <laughs> <laughs> well, we'll, we'll expand upon that at, at a different time. Um, yeah, yeah. Yeah. No, there is a lot of uh, theory, ancient theory around that because uh, just from rulership's sake of, um, you know, this, the, the luminaries being next to each other, the, the, the Cancer and Leo respectively, and how the, mm-hmm. this is more of the, the beginning of the zodiac than than uh, say Aries, um, but they they both have their their uh, points. Yeah, yeah. But anyways, Cancer, yeah. <laughs> Cancer. Yeah, um, a lot of um, I'm just kind of like making a little crossroads in my mind. Um, I guess I'll kind of like go back to like the way that Cancer is really more commonly talked about, which is like has to do with women and like mothers. And like the womb and like having children and that's kind of its like core thing having to do with like being a young child and your kind of like inner emotional state. Um, but I feel like it's really important to like see the cancer as something some, like there is this like this nurturing aspect is definitely central to it. But I feel like it is also almost like equally mirrored by um, the element of like destruction, mm. like this like terrible power. So like kind of like the sea, you know, so everything is being birthed from the sea and then the sea will eat any of her children and she doesn't give a fuck. <laughs> <laughs> and a that's fine. Sea. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but that's cancer. Like that, and en- that energy, if it's anywhere in the Zodiac, it's for sure. in cancer that like all, all giving, um, kind of like pen, literally like Pandora's box, like pen means all and Dora means giver. And mm-hmm. so like cancer is that kind of like that opening of the box where like everything is coming, coming out of this kind of genderless and um, womb, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, but to kind of see that too, I'll talk about Capricorn now. Um, if cancer's like, memory like in its like base form then capricorn is like the continuation of memory it's like the art of, of putting many memories together and and when you make like a lattice work of memories your little it's like would be you're drying your dna mm. capricorn is like the form of play i see your face here. no i <laughs> no i'm thinking i well i'm thinking because well, just as a Capricorn moon, um, that sometimes the drawback of Capricorn and why it can be so, it can at times in a negative state be like, like limiting or depressing in some ways is because of that recall of memory. And it yes. stores, you know, especially things that were maybe negative that have happened yeah. <laughs> in your life or yourself. And then you, you base that memory off of, you know, what is possible because Capricorn is a very um, societal driven and legacy and, you know, your ambitions, your goals, more of an impersonal outside um, 
you know, strategy. Uh, and so it's interesting there, like looking at kind of the health of the, of cancer and Capricorn in your own chart, um, to see where certain memories or, uh, and it, in memory is so interesting because it doesn't even have to be like a lifetime memory. Like you're saying, it can come by, it can come back to in like more ancestral type of DNA roots where, Mm -hmm. you know, cause you see that happen all the time with patterns of people that, um, that like, like I say, I have a friend who got pregnant at 19 when we were 19 and she had a child and her, her child just had a baby at 19, you know, like 19 years later. And so there's like little ancestral memories like that, that, um, that we carry with us, which is an, an interesting part of it all too. I'm not sure where I'm going with that, but that was like what was triggering in my mind. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And there, I feel like there has been, uh, I definitely know that I've seen some work from like the science world having to do with genetic memory, passing down through generations as well. Mm. I remember um, kind of, kind of to put it like a visual anecdote of it. Um, a, a friend a long time talking to me about um, uh, pictures of portraits of dental people who survived the potato famine. And like the generation that was born during the famine um, was like physically different than the generation that was born just after the famine. Like um, the people who were born during the famine, like looked normal. Like there wasn't any kind of like change or like show that, that their peoples had survived a famine. And then the generation after that had like physical effects. Like even though they didn't actually physically survive the famine, their parents did. And it showed like in, in the look of their body, you could see them in the, see it in the portraits. Mm. Yeah. Cause that, it car- that carries on. Like I, I did a fa- fantastic, oh, this is a recommendation here. Uh, I did a Chiron, um, uh, course through uh, Astrology University that's going on right now with Melanie Reinhardt, who's like the person on Chiron. Cool. Um, <laughs> well, and she was started talking about because the whole idea of Chiron, especially like the Chiron return or when we have these Chiron transits, is there is a um, something that has been on ice begins to thaw in some way. And in, in some respects, we have that happen like in our ancestral patterns. Like it might not even always be apparent until that moment comes where something thaws out that we don't fully understand. And she was likening back to, um, as far as ancestry wise of like, when might be the cutoff time of like, when we're not like affected by past. And she was saying about four generations is, is kind of like, there was some more theory behind that, but I don't know enough to say that in this moment. But I thought that was interesting because that's looking at like a great grandparents um, as, a, as a kind of a, a cutoff if, if I guess you kind of transmute that energy because that's the whole idea of like the ancestral realm, um, which is very cancer related or the fourth yeah. chart, the bottom or fourth house, the bottom of your chart. Um, you know, because that's, that's kind of the thing is like, we almost nurture and reparent ourselves in a way where we can break these old um, configurations of our ancestry. Like, so that her child doesn't have another child at 19. You know what I mean? Like, not that that's a bad thing, but yeah, I think yeah that's, people have been doing it for millions of years. I know, but I had like 20 children by 19. Living yeah. um, <laughs> <laughs> in a different baby world. a year. Yes. No, that's true. Okay. But to come back to that is I actually became fascinated with my ancestry uh, last summer 
not this summer, but the summer before. And I was able to trace back my lineage pretty far. Um, and I came across my, I want to say my great, great grandmother and the, the great, no, great, great grandmother and the grandmother before that. And that woman had like, it was in, it was in like the mid twenties, like maybe like 25 children or something. Like she was literally pregnant for all her reproductive life. Um, and only like half of them survived because that was, that was a reality back then is that. Yeah. And these are all farmers too. So I come from, you know, farmers and people of the earth. <laughs> um, so, <laughs> Capricorn so, moon. Yes, I know. <laughs> yes. Because uh, the moon, that's our source of memory as well. So. Yeah, totally. Yeah. Totally. Oh, what is there's something you just said? Oh, yeah. Um, I'm gonna highlight something you also just said with you were saying that, like bringing up that uh, those people in the kind of like previous generations had like a bunch of kids, mm-hmm. but then most of them died. I think it's like also important to bring up how, like, uh, if we're kind of talking about c- cancer and Capricorn and kind of relating to cancer having to do with childbirth, that like how uh, dangerous childbirth has always been. Even if it's it's still life threatening, realistically, there's still a chance that any person who's giving birth might die. Yeah, we haven't totally kicked that out. Especially even if we're talking from a fairly privileged place, living in, you know, colonized North America with mm-hmm. the allopathic medical system. But it is like this very intense and dangerous and raw experience. Mm. Like, that cancer thing, like it's so. That's, that's kind of like where I get that idea of it, like that having that nurturing, destroying feeling, because like, I don't think there's like anything that I, I would, I would not want to get in the path of someone who's like, I need to give birth now. Like, <laughs> they will. <laughs> I will birth upon you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. well, well, you know, they're desperate, you know, yeah. there's like that feeling like out in the woods of like, what is the most dangerous thing that you come across out in the woods would be like a mother bear. Or like oh, a mother, yes. you know, to a predator. Because very protective and, and can be yeah. defensive um, yeah. in order to do so. Because it's interesting. I, I get that. I would say a lot of like the birthing principle might be a little more Scorpio with the idea of creation and destruction, like the birth yeah. process. But the desire to create... And to get to that process, that fixed process comes with cancer. Like that's where, you know, that's where the the motivation comes from. Maybe the process itself is more scorpionic, but, um, you know, cancer lies in that creation, that cardinal energy, the initiation of of what is uh, that creative impulse. So yes, I get that. And then after that is realized, then comes mama bear, like we're talking about was like, don't, mess with my creation. <laughs> Don't you yeah. my babies? You know, whatever <laughs> yeah. that might look like. Uh, yeah. Literal babies. They can be anything. It holds on it. Like, you know, it, it, yeah. And protects. Yeah. And that, that comes out in Cam- uh, Capricorn as Yeah, as totally. Well. Yeah. Yeah. Um, when I, do you know that uh, Percy by Shelley um, poem? That's like about, um, it's called Ozymandias. It's about, uh, mm-hmm. There's like a, a person is traveling in another land and it's kind of like relaying a story. It's a very short poem about um, he just kind of like sees a, a broken statue and, and like on the pedestal of the statue, it's, it's engraved with a king being like, look at these marbles that I have built kind of thing. But it's like a broken statue in the middle of a desert, basically. Yeah. And there's this feeling of like, um, that I always really think about Capricorn when I think about that and the kind of like two sides of it 
um, because people like build legacy, like they want to put their kind of how you were saying that they're like out in the world, their projection, their image of who they are and what their acts are. Um, but like the greatest legacy is your children or the mm. next generation because they will survive. Like there, there was a man there to see the statue, but the civilization is yeah. gone. They carry on the memory. Yeah, totally. Yeah. Which essentially is legacy. Yeah, yeah. Because in order to have a legacy, I mean, because a legacy, to some extent, because we all do things, but to me, a legacy must be remembered by other people in order to be a legacy. Otherwise, it's just kind of something you did, you know? Because if no one remembers, it's like if the tree falls in the woods and no one was there to hear it, you know, did it happen (laughs) kind of thing. Yeah, of course it did. (laughs) Humans are not the the central part of everything. (laughs) (laughs) That is my reply to that. Okay. It's interesting to think about, you know, like, uh, because everyone has legacies, but until people stop remembering them. And I feel like there was a movie that was based off of this concept that's slipping my mind right now and maybe someone else can think of it. But, um, you know, when that legacy is forgotten, then it's lost in the annals of time. And I think that's another thing with Capricorn because Capricorn is the ruler of, of time, like linear time and kind of progress on, on in an mm. earthly way. Yeah, totally. Yeah, <laughs> and like... Um, Tradition. 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 Yeah. Which is also such a fascinating concept. Um, When I try to think, like, because obviously we're going over Capricorn. Mm -hmm. Um, I've been trying to, like, put that idea, these words that we kind of, like, these kind of complex ideas as words that we accept just out of knowing and then breaking them down. And so I was thinking about like tools. I feel like that tools are a very Capricorn thing. So that like, it's like using the environment, like Capricorn's mantra is like I use. Mm-hmm. Yes. But like a, a person who creates the tool originally is like the person, who, they're like making like a, almost like a Cancerian thing. Like they're creating something and bringing it into the world. But then the, the, the people who follow, like use that tool and create more of those tools and innovate those tools, that's Capricorn. Mm. People using it over time. So like tools are, are like the tradition of use because all of these tools are influenced by other tools that we've seen used. And, you know? Yeah. Like, like I, I, the wheel came first before gears and, and they all spawned each other. That kind of idea. Yeah, that makes that makes sense, you know, because we find or we find different uses for things in the process. Like, yeah, the wheel rolled us along, right? But then we're like, wait, if we put two wheels together (laughs) (laughs) and and create some, you know, a little teeth or something, now this thing can just be working for, you know, like, yeah, it's uh, so, but that's an interesting thing too, especially as we're coming upon these conjunctions that we're going to talk about, or just the idea of that is, um, if traditions change, then use also changes as well. The use of certain things, you know, things lose their use, um, or we gain new uses for, you know, and we see that coming along, especially with our environment, you know, um, Mm -hmm. what, 
you know, this is a very mundane example, but like the use of the plastic bag, (laughs) you know, like at some point that was like a revolutionary, like, oh my God, I can blow up some gas and make this plastic bag that'll be strong and it's never going to, oh, well, they probably didn't think about the fact that it would never break down. Um, (laughs) But something that was so useful now is becoming a, a... utter detriment to our planet rather yeah. than, you know, it's, it's lost its use um, going forward and can't be preserved. And that's kind of the thing with Capricorn as well, because and where the idea of tradition is that Capricorn and Cancer both are very conservative signs. And that's where we get the traditional yeah. from. Um, and they, yeah. those signs want to, um, they want to hold on to what was rather than maybe that more Aquarian uh, Saturnian vision of innovating and, and moving yeah. that farther. So, yeah. <laughs> <Is he right>? <laughs> <laughs> I, I thought I was. Like, oh, so let's, okay. So let's take this into and why we're even talking about this um, anyway. Yeah. Because yeah. Capricorn. Being in Capricorn season now, as the sun enters this zone, we have Saturn there, we have Pluto there, you know, of course, Mercury is going to come around, so is Venus. Uh, Mars already did its stint as it retrograded back through this point, um, (laughs) which is something. And then eventually Jupiter is going to get here next year for 2020, because 2020 is a big year as far as these grand conjunctions that um, we're going to be talking about, which basically what they are, these outer planets, Jupiter and beyond, uh, meeting, especially in conjunction, to start a, a grand cycle in a way that it impacts us on uh, a more societal and like worldly realm. Um, and so we are getting there. We're getting to this conjunction. And when we're getting to a conjunction, basically things are wrapping up. And so part of you know what's going on in the world right now, because there are some serious shit going on in the world right now. Yeah. And it's yeah. all leading um, to these, uh, these mergings and these rebirth points that are taking place. But some of this happened early, you know, this is not the first time we've ever conjuncted, of course. And that's kind of where your theory is coming from, Mars, right? About the Capricorn generation and what happened in the late 80s, early 90s. Yeah. Yeah. Of like a feeling of like culmination. Is that what you're saying? Well, now that we're in Capricorn, so what I'm saying is now that we're in Capricorn season, as far as the sun is concerned, and we are getting very close to these major conjunctions that are going to happen, most notably Saturn and Pluto making their conjunction, which hasn't happened since 1982. These are long, long cycles. Um, So now that we have planets moving through this area, there is a uh, you know, a, a preface that is taking place. There is energy that is setting up the stage for this meeting uh, of these planetary forces to come together. And so Mars, my understanding is your theory that's based on this is as we go through these conjunctions in this period of time, yeah. those yeah. that are millennials or that are in more your generation, um, because they have planets in this Capricorn, because this isn't yeah. the first time. Yes. So I'm yeah. going to let you go from there. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah, totally. I'm just going to bring up like two little things that I wanted to kind of bring up to, uh, which I feel like would be kind of like a central part of like talking about Capricorn. Mm-hmm. So I feel like it's um, Capricorn is, if it's about kind of like passing down knowledge from generation to generation, it's it's almost like the, it's almost like the grandmother's knowledge kind of thing. If we're talking like pre, 
um, global colonization civilization when knowledge was passed on passed down more like person to person and orally like that the knowledge that they would be passing down would be like uh, sexual health and uh, how to deal with pregnancy and uh, like childbirth and like child care and raising a child and then that kind of cycle starting again with sexual health um and and then like resource management being like such a central part of this uh, archetype. So my theory was that um, there was these kind of like long-term transits that happened between uh, 1984 and about 1998. That was would be like the longest breadth of this transit. Um, and it started with Neptune going into Capricorn. And uh, Uranus also went into Capricorn in between that. I think it was, I'm just going to go back to my page. Um, was in Capricorn between 1988 and 1996. And then Saturn was in Capricorn as well between 1998 and 1991. And they all did conjunctions inside of that um, that time span. Um, and so that is kind of like the millennial generation. And, and if Capricorn is kind of about like what we're giving to the next generation, then it, it kind of makes sense to me that these energies that happen that have these conjunctions in Capricorn the the kind of like almost like the brunt of their effect would happen in like a delayed sense because Capricorn and Saturn have such delayed energies. It's like an event happens and you work towards like the climax of it, like making a whole project or, mm. or working towards your Saturn return, like growing with age, that kind of feeling. And so my theory was that since we're having these um this massive conjunction between Pluto and uh, Saturn. I don't know why I'm saying massive, but it just feels massive. It feels it, like no, it is. Thing. These are, these are big <laughs> moments. Uh, I'm yeah. fascinated with it myself. <laughs> yeah, totally. Um, that these, um, these conjunctions or like uh, that conjunction and Saturn going through um, Capricorn again is like, bringing this, the energy that happened in this longer kind of millennial transit, the Capricorn stellium transit that happened in the 90s, 80s and 90s, will like come to fruition during this transit that we're experiencing now mm. because, because it's Capricorn energy. I feel like, like it, wouldn't, it wouldn't work the same in, in any other sign or with any other energies. Just that kind of overarching Capricorn and Saturnian energy is, um, it's like you, you plant a seed today but in 15 years you're going to eat the fruit mm. that is absolutely that can totally happen that slow grow or it can be a yeah. revision or a, a, um, a revisit of what's there as well which i have yeah. a direct example uh that i think is playing in to, yeah. Uh, yeah yes as, as we're talking about this um because back in, uh, back in, I mean, one of the most major events that happened around the late 80s, early 90s, and particularly in 1989, was the fact that the Berlin Wall finally came down. Mm. And that had been up separating uh, Germany from, you know, East and West Germany since the end of World War II, basically. I mean, the wall didn't go up till I think it was 1961, somewhere around there. But the, the, 
the exact, you know, the exact time that we had the Saturn and Neptune conjunction in 89, which happened at 11 degrees Capricorn, which is very interesting because we're only two degrees off from that Saturn return. Basically, the Berlin Wall falling down is having its Saturn return. And if we think about Saturn in general, Saturn is, uh, Saturn is that wall. Saturn is that barrier, like literal, literally. Um, and Neptune, Neptune dissolves, right? And so there was the dissolving of, of that barrier um, that was taking place. And what's also interesting, this at 10 degrees of, of Capricorn, and then guess who was over at 10 degrees Cancer as the uh, wall falls down? Jupiter. Jupiter. Yes. Yeah. So, and what's yeah. interesting about that is that when... Um, so what, where are my notes? I had I was following this and I just found it very interesting because when the actual when the actual wall went up in 1961 was when Jupiter and Saturn were conjuncting. So Jupiter, who brings more of and expands in some way, or you know brings back brings back this, it, it basically collided and converged with Saturn, the wall. So that's when this wall went up, right? Because we need to, we're going to, we have to grow. We have to expand. We got to do something in this country. We're going to put the wall up. And the wall goes down right at the time that Neptune comes around and dissolves it, basically. And fascinating. It's fascinating. And, you know, and it wasn't just that moment in time because really what happened, it, that then, you know, revolutions started happening in uh, Russia for their communist party. And then obviously in like Czechoslovakia, how we got the Czech Republic and, you know, Slovakia and like every, all these Eastern European countries were uh, then basically that was, that was a moment in time that made it okay for all these walls to come down. But where I'm circling back with this right now, you know, being in America and our, our good old Trump wanting to uh, put out, you know, he's all about this wall to Mexico. Maybe even a wall to Canada. We might have a okay. wall between us soon. No. Oh my God. But yeah. Well, then, so here we are again with this wall situation as we're coming to the Saturn return of when the Berlin Wall uh, fell um, initially. And so it's interesting. It's, that's one thing that had me fascinated. <laughs> so I wanted yeah. to share that with you. Yeah, that's really fascinating. Yeah, like so Aren't literal. You? So yeah. literal. <laughs> yeah. Astrology though, you know? Yeah. Surprises you. Like it's... Every time. Every time. <laughs> every time. I didn't even think about it until you just, you just started talking about like the events that you thought were really interesting. Because I didn't even think about the Kavanaugh stuff until we were like just talking about it. Mm. But the Anita Hill trial. Yes. Was in, what, 1990 or 1991? I think 91. I want to I'll double check that, but but still, like part of this transit, and like when Saturn returns to, if not the like exact same place, then then like the same neighborhood, we have this like almost exact repeat of exactly those events yeah. happening. Yeah, because that was nineteen ninety one when uh, she had her trial. So we're we're back there. Yeah, we're back there again. Um, yeah. And so I find that interesting. Uh, so I find it interesting to play into the theory of the Capricorn generation and then maybe carrying on these new traditions that we're, we're 
talking about or like revising the tradition in some way. But what I also find interesting, and you know, you you fall in the millennial realm. I don't. I, I hover on the edges. Sometimes they want to throw me in. I'm just like, no. <laughs> generation Y or why? Yeah, why? 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 Question mark. That's my that's my generation. Why with a question mark? Um, is that uh, where was I going? I made a joke in that. <laughs> um, oh, is what I'm noticing about millennials, and I mean there are the progressive millennials, which I like yourself. I'm sure you're you're in that. You're in there. Yep. Finger guns, finger guns, all the way. But what was also I'm noticing is that there are a lot of millennials that are rather conservative, and that's yes. And so what's happening is some people are like, "Wait, you're this younger generation, but you're siding with the you know this more maybe even nationalistic because Capricorn can fall into more nationalistic tendencies." Totally, we're looking at that um, not so great side of things, which can create walls and, you know, boundaries. Um, yeah. And yes. So, I mean, what do you think about that as a part of your generation? It's like, yes, the, the Capricorn generation can take this energy and work with these conjunctions. But what about those of you who are trying to conserve or identify with those old traditions that don't work any longer? But this, I really think about Pluto or any, any kind of like polarizing um, and uh, ideological belief. I'm I'm always going to think about Pluto, but especially something that is so rooted in like fear or transformation. Because what we're talking about is like um trying to transform tradition, mm-hmm. and Pluto was a very strong element during these transits. Pluto was in Scorpio in its native sign from I, I don't know the exact dates, but like uh from in eighty three to like ninety five. Mm-hmm. So it was present that whole time. And Pluto is part of this uh, future transit that's coming up. Well, because like when I think about Pluto, Pluto's energies is like uh, you want to transform through death. Like, and death involves like facing yourself beyond the veil of ego. So you have to see the truth. Mm. At its core, it's about you have to see the truth. But it's, it's not just like Aries type of truth, which is like, this is my impulse and this is the truth. Scorpio's truth is like, I have searched through all of the illusion, this whole ocean, to find what is true. No matter how dirty or gritty it is, is. <laughs> I found the truth. Yeah. You know? And um, uh, when I see like, like Pluto transits, um, like some people will take that energy of um, transformation and be like, bring it on. We're going to transform uh our relationship to pluto right Mm -hmm. or we're going to be terrified and like hold on to ego and it usually happens in that quite polarizing experience and and i've seen that especially in this generation we're kind of talking about a capricorn generation so it's coming to fruition so much later and coming to fruition when pluto is in capricorn so we're seeing this where there's like a very strong very far progressive side. I'm not going to use left or right because fuck it. <laughs> <laughs> and then you see this like other side. I, I feel like it's more than like ultra conservative. It's like uh, pro-colonization, I would say, is also part of it. Mm. Uh, and, and to like not name these uh, apparently like far, far ultra conservative people to be 
anything other than pro-colonization, I feel like, is forgetting a central truth in, in the, what they're trying to enact in the world. And I just kind of make, and putting this all this energy into what's coming into fruition right now into Pluto and Capricorn. So like Pluto is transforming our relationship to institution and our relationship to authority. And some people are being like, we need to desperately like come with a wrecking ball and tear this down. Otherwise, millions of people are going to die. Billions of people are going to die, which is the truth. Yes. I know. Or, <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, I know. Oh. I, have you looked at the world population numbers, people? <laughs> I'll yeah. leave it at that. <laughs> yes, totally. Yeah. And, and then you have like the far other side, which is people who are like desperately out of, out of I, I have no shame to name it, out of, out of like total fear of, of facing the truth. And, and the truth is that everyone is a human and everyone deserves food and shelter and um, education mm. and a right to their, to their own tradition. Yeah. Because I feel like there's this other drive that's coming in, inside of this ultra conservatism or like pro-colonization youth movement is this like uniformity of whiteness and the uniformity that comes with colonization it's is a very central and driving motivation i feel like it because there's so much of, of this this ultra conservative movement um as conservative movements uh have had a tradition or these like pro-colonization movements have really had a tradition of like denying other people access to their own cultures like they want everyone else to amalgamate into them. And so mm. that push is so strong right now. And at the same time, there's this very strong push on the other side of people being like, well, we need to reclaim our own cultures, our own traditions. Because that's also an incredibly central part of Capricorn. You, the, the, not just having any tradition that was like human beings have used, but the tradition that came from your like genetic legacy mm. is a... a I would say a basic human right. And I feel like that is like held up by this archetype. That's well, and it's interesting too, because we're seeing, I like that point because we're seeing it. We're seeing Capricorn in its own polarity uh, to some extent, because it's, it's a two, it's a double-edged sword because yes, there are all those people that are really, especially on this more nationalistic type of alt-right type of side of things, um, where they think they're preserving a tradition mm. when in, when in fact they are, it's not, it's a seedy tradition and it's really kind of an <laughs> underbelly tradition. But the thing is, is that really, if we're trying to conserve something, and I'm going to speak for the United States here. I'm, speaking, yeah. I'm the representative of the United States. <laughs> tell us. Um, tell us. Let me tell the you. The rest of the world is um, listening. Yeah. <laughs> so here, they, so here they are. They're trying to conserve this this pocket of tradition, which is not forward moving in any type of way. Mm-hmm. When really, what we should be conserving is the whole foundation that this country was built on to begin with, and that is the idea of immigration and people coming here and celebrating this melting pot that we are, uh, that does allow for these different traditions to come in um, and these different cultures and not to assimilate to 
them, but embrace them in their uniqueness and, and their, in their separateness. Like that's, it's okay. Like this is its own thing. And so I think that these people that are more conservative is they're just conserving the wrong thing because they're conserving something that is better, you know, is not, if you're, I don't know, if you're conserving something that is oppression for other people, like, A, that's wrong. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Flat out. That's wrong. If it benefits you and does harm to other people, you know, um, blatantly so, yes, that's that's bad. But I think what people are missing here, because, yeah, we, we might want to adjust these traditions and rethink them and like the seed that we planted earlier on in the show. But at the same time, there are some that are very important to conserve. And I think that the yeah. one that our country was actually built upon is the one that's supposed to be conserved. And that's where this border issue comes in. Uh, and me, my mind with Saturn meeting Pluto and then also Jupiter uh, squaring Neptune, this year, um, and Saturn making a sextile to Neptune, is this is really playing into this border issue and what are borders anyways? Because if Pluto wants to purify and, and get to the truth of the matter, you know, because there is no border in the sky. And as we have more issues with, you know, that's where I really think that a lot of this is going uh, personally in, in this movement. We're going to be seeing more and more of that take place. And so I liken back to the wall of, in Berlin and where these, um, you know, separatist and partition type of energies were set up back then. Um, anyways, I don't know where I'm going with that, but that was my thought, getting it out there. <laughs> yeah. Um, I identify very strongly with Capricorn with having so many plans, but also at Capricorn Ascendant, which it took me a really long time. I didn't, I didn't feel any Capricorn energy in, in me for the first like 10 years that I was interested in astrology, which is, I found kind of interesting because mm. Capricorn, you know, it's a slow mover and a late bloomer. <laughs> yes. But um, in the last little while, I've, I've started to like, cause I've been, I'm going through my Saturn return right now and it's yeah. kind of the Saturn return in question of what we're talking about. Which by the way, Saturn is exactly conjunct your ascendant for our listeners, right? Yeah. Or no, is that, yeah. It will be during the conjunction. During the conjunction. Yeah. You're, you have an interesting chart within relation to this and why I like that you're speaking on it, but go ahead. Yeah. <laughs> um, I've been thinking about kind of like, cause I, you know, I feel like uh, words can be used as a double-edged sword a lot. And I feel like they have been used as a double-edged sword. Like we're, like how you're bringing up talking about conservatism. and But if you really want to conserve something, then don't, mm. you know, do mm -hmm. what they're doing. Um, but I, I really identify with the word of conservatism. But if I were to like explain my political views on anything... Um, a person would probably name me as being like a very far left kind of progressive thing in put in those kind of put in those more popular terms. But I identify with the concept of conservatism very deeply, um, which is just like to put it into really mundane things. It, it just feels really great to me to be like, I have this reusable thing and mm -hmm. it's going to last me forever. And those shoes that I have, those soles going to last me forever. Conservatism, because <laughs> you only have to buy them once if you get them good. Yes, and that idea of conservatism—I um, feel like in such a deep part of my like soul and experience. I mean, I'm a little reckless because I'm a Sag Moon, but like that desire to be very conservative, and but conservative in that very practical and physical way, 
And then kind of what you were talking about with this kind of like movement, which has named itself conservatism. And they are, as well as like, we're kind of, you're saying like they're only conserving kind of like the wrong parts, but they are, they are still conserving something that was initiated in this country as well, which was like theft mm-hmm. in, in the United States and in Canada, because there is also a very strong pro-colonization movement and ultra-conservative movement in Canada. Mm. Well, we're seeing it everywhere. It's not, we're, none of these countries are alone. This yeah. is a theme that's going on um, and really speaks to the, the conjunction in itself because this is not something that isolates itself to North America. Like we're seeing it all over the world. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I feel like, um, would you be ready to get into kind of like talk about the Neptune and Uranus conjunction? It's, it's effect on all the things. Uh, oh, Uranus. Well, and actually that's what I wanted to bring up next because Great. Uranus and Neptune made its own conjunction. Um, and these are very, uh, long conjunctions that take place, um, as far as history is concerned. Um, like Uranus and Neptune conjuncted in 1821, and then it conjuncted again in 1993. So these are big, long cycles. But yeah. when you were talking about, um, Capricorn in general, because when I think of Uranus, because Uranus is very extreme. And so if Uranus, and that's the thing is this Capricorn generation, and because you have Uranus and Capricorn, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so yeah. it's so Capricorn, if we're talking about these more, these societal structures and these uses and this conservatism and stuff with Uranus there for, for your particular generation, we're going to see extremes in that area. That's why I'm bringing up the, well, but then you have these ultra conservative millennials. And so it's almost like the generation itself is partitioned in some ways through Uranus having uh, been in Capricorn at the, you know, during this time. Um, yeah. And I feel like that extreme could, could lend itself because Capricorn is so like material and physical based mm-hmm. and that these extremes manifest in like, um, the huge, uh, spectrum of, of access to wealth that it's in my generation. Mm. You know, I've like met people who are the same age as me who are just like, I cannot imagine what their life is like, just ex- how, what their life is like in, in how they, their experience their physical experience of the world and what part of the world that they get to experience is so different than mine because of our experience or our, our access to material wealth. Mm. Well, and those, go, yeah. go ahead. Well, no, I'm just going to say real quick because uh, there was a guy that brought up at a Astro meeting not too long ago, how, because there is a real job problem that's coming down the line and uh, millennials are the ones that are faced with it the most because, you know, you're kind of the youngest generation in the workforce. And as we have automation and things change and job opportunities and schools are looking different now, all that stuff, um, yeah. you know, the workforce itself or how you create uh, wealth is, is changing. And the guy had made a comment of how, um, as far as determining wealth for people that are in your age group and going forward might actually be more on inheritance based, you know, what you oh, don't come in with. And that's a very, we're back to that uh, lineage type of thing and what yeah, your family totally. has built up over time and what they can give to you. And if you don't have that resource, um, that's where the polarization can come from as well. Yeah. And um, I, feel like, I feel like this is really related because 
um, just saw like one of those like meme quotes, but it was like a person who was like talking about a thing and they're like quoting what they're saying. Um, but they're talking about how like the purpose of, of restricting um, abortion rights or rights access to like um, sexual health is is so hard for like why why there is resistance um, with lawmakers or like people who are like fight against having sexual education or access to abortion or access to healthcare in that realm. Um, it, it's the the people the lawmakers who are fighting for those things they will not ever lose access to that. These are mostly men, right? Mm-hmm. And there are all rich. They are all rich, the people yeah. who make these laws. They are all very, very wealthy. And their wives and mistresses and daughters are still always going to be able to have access to abortion. Yes. Like that will never change, even if it was illegal. Even when it was illegal 100 years ago, their wives always and daughters and mistresses always had access to abortion. And so the purpose of doing this thing of, of taking this um, kind of knowledge of self-care away from the people is to create like a, a perpetually impoverished class of people. And that kind of adds to this like extreme um, extremes in, in how people are engaging with the like kind of like physical institution of the world, the structure of the world. Hmm. Yeah. It, ah. I'm all, <laughs> don't you get me started. Yeah. <laughs> uh, oh my gosh. But it, it, it's so true. And I think actually that's what is coming to pass here as well as we have these conjunctions and it's becoming, you know, the term, the 1% has been around for a handful of years now, uh, which yeah. coincidentally, it was kind of coming into play around the time that Saturn made its last square to Pluto. Um, uh in I think it was like 2010 around that. And that's when those types of issues were coming up as the economy collapsed, at least here. Well, it happened everywhere in the world. Um, But those, those terms were, that was coming up (laughs) basically. (laughs) Yeah. If anything, I, it's like, I'm not, I'm not sure about these dates, but um, maybe it kind of like seems from the math in my head that maybe that happened around the time that Pluto would be getting into Capricorn. Capricorn. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I think it happened at two, I want to say two degrees. Um, I'm pretty sure I got, I'm right about this, but you know, you never, you never know. Um, <laughs> I'm pretty sure it was two degrees of Libra for Saturn and two degrees Cap- Capricorn for Pluto. Um, but, the, but that's the thing. Yes. Yes. And so that's, the, that's what's important about these cycles too. Like let, let's keep in, in mind that it's not just the conjunction, the conjunction seeds the condition and, and mm. then the squares create crisis, crisis points. And really when you're meeting Saturn and Pluto, you are having a crisis of authority during, mm. during squares. And so this is where that crisis was coming in. People were feeling it with Barack Obama in charge here, you know, because that looked a little different to a lot of people and kind of yeah. how we had this polarization and this swinging of conservative forces, you know, by the time 2016 rolled around. Um, But, but yeah, that was, that opened up the, uh, the wealth divide even further. Um, And here's where we're at, where it's like so blatantly in front of you, like the, uh, the disproportionate, (laughs) you know, uh, wealth and that's in our world and how that drives, uh, 
the society itself and the, how everything is in turn conserved within that system because everyone with the money has done all they can to hold the power <laughs> to yeah. conserve the system. Um, yeah. Yes. So now the conjunction, where are we going with it? That's the question. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, do you want to talk about the conjunction yeah. first with the, the Neptune? Yes. Bring, bring, me your, bring me back to Uranus, Neptune, 1993. Take me back. Yeah. Like, <laughs> okay. <laughs> I will start singing. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Um, so uh, Uranus, like we were just talking about, it's like the changer or like transformer as well. Um, so it's about revolution. I love thinking about it in relation to like lightning. So before lightning strikes, there's like that heat and the pressure of the, the air pressure, the atmospheric pressure, mm-hmm. you know. And then it builds and builds and builds. And then there's lightning and a sudden and immediate change. And the pressure dissolves and it's raining. That's like revolution. Like this pressure is building and building. Like the the pressure in the atmosphere, cultural atmosphere, is building and building and building. And then there's like a sudden strike that comes and changes. And that's like um, kind of Uranus's energy. Or... And it also has to do with distribution of resources um, to use this kind of like a, like element, another elemental description, like um, the water bearer, like the high winds that are carrying clouds and they're bearing water to places that need rain. Mm. And um, there's an, F, uh, um, an element of transformation that's happening during that because as the water reaches that high place in the sky, it's being purified by the sun. The heat of the sun will purify the water. Just like the circulatory system is like bringing your blood around your body and then bringing it back to the heart where it's purified again by Leo. Like Leo's the sun, Leo's the heart. Mm-hmm. That kind of other mirror relationship. Yes. Well, and Aquarius is the cloud. <laughs> yeah, Aquarius is a cloud. Aquarius is a circula- circulatory system. Um. So that element too of like how how these kind of sudden changes of things change very suddenly and how we organize ourselves changes very suddenly. And we are kind of like fixed in this state of transformation because the rain is never going to pour in the same place twice. You know what I mean? Like the, this is not going to be the exact same raindrop every time. Every rainstorm mm-hmm. is a little bit different. And then Neptune is like our perception of reality. And our relationship to the perception of reality, like the parts of the body that Neptune rules is like the feet and the crown of the head. And there's always energy that's flowing through our body and up from the earth and out our head and kind of like coming out of the the sun and the moon and the people around us and going back into the earth as well. And um, and it has to do with like kind of our like relationship to that. That is a physical reality that we're experiencing. Or this kind of illusion that the the only things that matter in life are like, I have to work at eight. <laughs> <laughs> and I must not forget the Tupperware because I only have one, you know? Mm. But that's, that stuff is an illusion that that is the only thing, the only process that we are um, engaging in with life. Because mm. we're, we're part of like a greater organism, being just being part of the earth we are. You know, we breathe mm-hmm. out air that plants breathe in. 
it's inseparable. Yes. We need, it's, <laughs> well, that's interesting because Neptune itself doesn't hold any type of boundary uh, versus Saturn who, who does. And so, yes, there is that, um, that give and take, like just even just breathing the oxygen and how that's created, you know, that's a very yes. fluid type of, uh, you know, organic response in the world. Yeah. Uh, but what's interesting about the conjunction Uranus and Neptune was where did it happen? In Capricorn. At 19 degrees Capricorn. Oh, yeah? Yes. Oh, shit. So basically what's happening here, to give some context to these, as far as mundane astrology is concerned. Um, so basically uh, there's uh, Layla Rudyard, um, who's a mundane astrologer and. Uh, she had three classes of these, of these planetary conjunctions, these grand conjunctions we're talking about. And so the one Mars was just talking about with Uranus and Neptune. So basically when Uranus, Neptune, or Pluto meet in grand conjunctions, the, she classifies these as class A conjunctions, which what that means is that these, are, these sounds are like low frequency tones of like evolutionary, you know, epochs in some way. And their cycles develop their transformative themes. Because why that Uranus-Neptune conjunction was so important is that the one that happened before it was in, what was it? I say 18, uh, 1821. Mm. And the next one's not to happen till 2165. <laughs> so... There's something to be said about these two planets meeting to create this base tone. And then we have Saturn and Pluto, which, which happened during this generation, you know, in 93, around those. For those who were born in 93, I think those who were born in 93 are going to be really instrumental in what's taking place as this Capricorn. Yeah. Uh, yes. Because enough was happening, that conjunction at that time. Um, also, that's when Saturn was squaring Pluto, I believe, in its own cycle. And so I think though, that if you're born out there and you're listening in 1993, I think, <laughs> especially if you have Capricorn planets, you probably play an important role in this all. But so if we have that class A that's happening in that low frequency tone, then class B, which is the Saturn, Saturn transits to Uranus, Neptune, or Pluto, those are more mid-frequency harmonies. Um, but she notes that they're most often discords, like it's a, it's a harmony, but in a, a discordant way, resulting from the interplay or clash of transformative A class of that conjunction. Um, and then that conservative or initial, uh, inertial Saturn force. Um, so I find it interesting that it, this underlying base tone of evolution is basically coming into, you know, the Saturn Pluto conjunction. It will be triggering that larger, um, vibe that is going on. So just got to get that out there. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Yeah, totally. Well, yeah. then I guess I might as well say class th C, so everybody knows what Jupiter's doing in this too. So if that was class A and class B, then the Jupiter uh, synods are class C, which are higher frequency melodies of new discoveries, visions, ideals, social trends that unfold, um, such as the Berlin Wall that I talked about earlier, the Jupiter-Saturn uh, conjunction in 1961, that basically mm -hmm. that was the, what unfolded, <laughs> the new that unfolded was the wall. Yeah. Uh, 
Yeah. So it, it all this was super, super fascinating, um, I think. But I mean, how do you play that Uranus Neptune into what's happening now? Um, well, like those two energies coming together, like fun, like revolutionary change and, and our relationship to our perception, uh, even like kind of like the internal mind vision. It's like a fundamental shift in reality, but this all happened in Capricorn. Mm, so there's yeah. like a fundamental shift in our relationship to like physical reality. And since the stuff, um, I feel like the, the, this energy is only kind of coming out right now because it happened in Capricorn and this return is happening. So I feel like, um, like, I mean, look at this millennial generation, the way that uh, there's no, there hasn't been a generation like this in the existence of humanity, realistically, mm-hmm. uh, when, when we were um, born like things look so differently from, from now than when we were even like small children when we were born. Like the kind of like toys that we would have played with or, or things that we would have, activities that we would have done also just feel so, so different. Like, you know, don't just like hang out on the neighborhood block anymore. People have cell phones and computers and, and that was like, was kind of a thing in the background in the 90s, but it wasn't like a, everyone had this thing and it was so important that you, like people have literal phantom limb, like feelings of phantom limb when they don't have their cell phone around. Like that is like a measured <laughs> thing. Yeah. Um, like there are literally are extensions of our psychological bodies. But when we were growing up, it was not. Mm-hmm. So we have gone through this physical experience of like a, a very deep, change and sudden change in the span of humanity very sudden change in our relationship to reality yeah because now it feels like we can make anything and if you can make anything then reality doesn't really matter that feeling i feel like that's kind of an underlying current of it but also i feel it's important i feel like um i'm stuttering over myself now Well, I, well, I have something to add to your, to the reality of it all, because if we're talking about the fact that the Saturn Pluto conjunction is going to meet where Uranus and Neptune had originally made a conjunction back in that earlier time, like when I think of Uranus and and Neptune on a more mundane realm, because Uranus does, has that extreme as, as well, um, and has that kind of rebellion revolt type of thing. And it can really be associated with kind of right ring and more extreme types of power. Um, and then Neptune, it, it, that Neptune is what blurs the reality. That's what keeps things like uh, under, under, under the surface in a way. Um, and I mean, we've seen that a lot as far as uh, our, well, at least here in the US, I mean, since the early 90s, just our presence in the Middle East, you know, like all these uh, Mm. subtle tactics, because that's the thing with Neptune is it can be very subtle. And so I think Mm. that part of this generation um, and part of this Saturn-Pluto conjunction meeting in Capricorn at the same place is to really purify that kind of authoritarian response of where we've just been kind of secretly doing certain things and you know, putting our, um, our, our power and our force out there and like 
subtly taking countries. Like, why are we still in Afghanistan? Well, it could be because everybody's addicted to opiates, <laughs> you know, yeah. like things like that. It's a very Neptunian thing as well. Yeah, um, totally. Yes. And so I think that maybe part of this conjunction that's coming out too is to uh, get real around what's happening with, you know, in the past 20 no, it's not 20 years yet quite, has it? Then no. Yeah, 25 years or so um, of all these kind of underhanded tactics by people that had their own extreme agenda. Uh, yeah. So yes, that's where I'm wrapping it up here. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And so that's your really generation might have something to do with that as well, because basically your generation is going to be, first, it'll be my generation. That's My generation is already starting to come into power a little bit here and there now that I'm you know, I'm almost 40. <laughs> uh, we're, we're getting there. But then your generation's going to come up right behind and, um, and continue all these things. Because that's the thing with government, with society, what, we're carrying on. That's, that's what we started with, yeah. right? Yeah. Yes, totally. Totally. So I'm, I'm so glad you brought that in. That like pass, like passing the baton between generations is so important, especially for this subject. Um, and, um, having to do with like child child raising i feel mm-hmm. like that is one of like going to be the most fundamental shift that comes from these transits even even the ones that we're coming up to um i feel like the um the the most of what's going to come out of this uh neptune and pluto transits will actually be sh- be the most obviously shown in the people who were born during this transit that we're experiencing now um, if that makes sense. Yes. No, that's exactly what I was thinking. Yeah. Cause it's about like, um, Capricorn is about like, how do you raise that next generation? Like, how are you, um, fashioning the, your legacy? So how you treat children, how we treat children as like a group of people is, is how we, we are creating the next generation of the world. And so if we're talking about having like a very fundamental shift having to do with things that have to do with legacy and um, there are so many more queer, queer and trans kids that are able to come out of the closet. I feel like this is a great example because um, the way that we're treating children having autonomy over their identities has changed significantly since 1993. Yeah. And those kids, like the, the people who the, the generation that millennials give birth to are going to have the most obvious show of this because there has been, I've seen just out in the world so much um, conversation and um, retrospective put into um, what are these scars that we're carrying from our children? I mean, from our parents, like what are we inheriting from colonialism and what are we, how are we, how are we going to treat our children? Because like, it was terrible for us mm-hmm. realistically, like just the way that this culture is built. This culture is not built to facilitate happy childhoods. Realistically. Well, not like what people associate. Well, and that's an interesting point because I think a lot of the people that are older and in power now um, are baby boomers or earlier. And there was a very mystical type of childhood that was probably taking place in the fifties where, you know, life seemingly was, it was after the war, you know, we're back to normal, the population, population's booming, the economy's booming, all that. Um, 
And so what people hold in their memory, if we want to come back to the cap or the cancer idea, is you know, people that are trying to conserve that period of time that no longer exists. And that's kind of where we're at right now. Um, and that's not a reality. But to play into the idea of millennials having children as well and carrying on, or the children that are just being born during this time, because it might not even be millennials yeah. having them, because people are having children later. And one of the things I want to bring up here, because if we think about Capricorn, is Capricorn is a barren sign. And I think that is really a trend in millennial uh, culture is that there are less children being born. And that is a very important and necessary part, I think, of our, our su- survival as a society um, in, in the world just due to population. Um, it's a weird type of population control, like through choice in <laughs> uh, circumstance yeah. almost. Um, yeah. People aren't having as many uh, children. And I think that that might play into what's developing here as well, because people are noticing that in power, you know, especially if your, our birth rates are down in the United States, like that's can be a concern of people that make money off of people, you know? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, I just spelled it out there. So literally. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, totally. Yeah. Um, I'm just, my head just got lost in the totality of this thought. It's just so much to like think about the world. It's, yeah. I've just seen so much um, from in the last, I don't know, however many years that I've been like researching the internet and just being like very curious about what all the humans are talking about and stealing memes and shit. And um just like so many little articles about how like that I've seen on the internet about like if your kid doesn't want to hug someone maybe you should listen to them like don't force your child to hug someone and there's so many like those little things are are it just like wasn't even part of consciousness in in like colonial northwestern north american society mm. that like people have autonomy and the same kind of thing kind of pulls back into uh, the population size and and uh, the boom and um, kind of lessening of, of new births. People have more access to to knowledge about um, contraception, and uh, women have more rights. Queer mm-hmm. people have more rights, um, and then there's less stigma around women not having having children. children yes when it was like a, a necessary thing and and so many of the laws around contraception and abortion kind of like i mentioned before um are only really affecting people who don't have a lot of money and so like that that kind of thing of like in the past where it was like we kind of laugh about it now i'm sure lots of people have laughed about it at, but like how back in the day we had they had so many kids but they had so many kids because they weren't really allowed to have abortions and they weren't really allowed to have contraception a lot. They're, or like are not really allowed to have access to the knowledge around that kind of thing. Or there's so much stigma around it for so long mm. for certain classes of people. Yeah. Or it was incredibly dangerous as well. Yeah. Um, yeah. So yeah. 
Yeah, these are these are all factors that are coming into play. And I know we're going we're going round around. Mars and I can yeah. talk forever. Yeah. <laughs> I'm going to do another episode on the Saturn Pluto conjunction because there yeah, are a lot that I want to share about the last time Pluto um uh and Saturn met in Capricorn, which was fifteen eighteen, which was an interesting period of time, but I'll, oh, I'll yeah. get there in the next <laughs> in the next episode since we've talked this one out. Um Okay. But I mean, if, if we're going to wrap it up here, Mars, because I know that we've circumnavigated a bunch of different topics here, but as far oh, yeah. as your own theory on the Capricorn generation, I mean, how, if you want to sum that up in, in a little point of just what you think. Sure. Um, uh, yeah, there's a... I feel like it's this that generation's, or I guess my generation's. It looks like it's almost like our our job. Um, I feel like job isn't really putting it um, heavy enough because this is Capricorn and Saturn. It's Although it's very like, Capricorn, just saying the job. Yeah, it's a job, but it also feels like there's like a duty. Of, yes, of like karmic duty almost with yeah. this like Pluto elements and the, there was we didn't talk about, it, but there was Chiron Cancer at the time. There's a feeling of like heavy karmic duty to change our relationship to tradition. And that also means authority. And that also means like managing resources and how we, what we consider wisdom and what we consider respect as well. Mm. And the fundamental shift in, in our, our relationship to those concepts and, and not just like how we are acting out a concept that hasn't changed in our mind. It's, it's, how we are perceiving our perception of the, of the material world is it is the, this kind of and and the change in our perception of the material world um, is was to me like the defining experience of this generation, and with that we have this incredible tool, um, which is almost like a divinely necessary right now um, to fix or rebuild um, a new system. Mm. That's, a, that's perfect. That's the perfect way to end it because that's the thing is like Cancer and Capricorn both. It's not necessarily deriving from the new. It, it helps reimagine or repurpose for the yeah. future. Yes. Yeah, because you can't throw anything away. <laughs> not, not anymore. We've already thrown it all away. It's all new. Yeah. <laughs> oh my gosh. All right. So, well, Mars, we'll we'll wax poetic on another day about yeah. either this or a continued on topic. Um, yeah, yeah. So, I'd love to. I, yes, I, I always love talking to you about. Uh, like yes, we have fun. We could probably go forever, but we're not going to do that to you, people. <laughs> checking your checking your watches. It's Capricorn. What time is it? Um, all right, Mars. So, where can people find you? Where, what's your website? What's your online presence? Uh, just so, if people want to reach out and connect. Sure, um, I have a website that's just my name. It's Mars Gradiva. Maybe you could link to that. Absolutely, a lot of words. And yes. um, I'm on Instagram and Facebook at Astro Day Visuals, where I make. Um, uh, illustrated guides to the zodiac. You can read that on my website. 
Yes. You got all types of fun, uh, kind of animated stuff and, um, yeah, yeah. just, yeah, go, go check Mars out. Um, and of course, you know, we both offer personal consultations, things along those lines. So there is that as well. Uh, but I will have all those links on my blog site because that will make it easy for everyone to find, uh, you. But how do you find me? How do you even get there? (laughs) Well, (laughs) you can find me at energeticprinciples.com where I have, I'll have that blog post up and that's where you can find my services, my other blog posts or or where you can sign up for my mailing list uh, because I will be having that full moon in cancer article come out. So if you sign up, I'll just send it straight to your inbox, nice and easy. Uh, I don't email very often at all. So don't worry about spam. I'm lucky I write the moon posts. Um, (laughs) But... uh, And also, if you would like to support me on Patreon or sign up for the tarot subscription that I spoke of earlier, you can do that patreon.com backslash energetic principles. And that just helps keep this podcast uh, afloat and it provides something for a fun activity for you to do each week. Um, And just a quick reminder that I will not be on air for the week of the 24th, 24th. Yes, the holiday week because, you know... I'm going to take another week off, but yes, yes, here's (laughs) holiday for Mel. Um, But I'm so excited because I will be back on the 31st with the wonderful and fabulous uh, April Elliott Kent, who will be joining me uh, in the astrology of 2019. So we're going to be talking about uh, what's going to be going on there um, with, you know, outer planets, the eclipses, all that kind of stuff. So you're going to want to tune in for that. That'll be on the 31st. Um, yeah, that'll be fun. Nice. Uh, and if you like what we talked about here today, because I sure did, I think it was pretty fascinating and it's a good reference, uh, for, for these times, um, you know, share it with a friend, get it out there or, you know, send a five-star review on iTunes then people can find it organically. Um, but I think that is it. I think that is my full spiel. Um, and I just want to say, I know. Yeah. I was going to say, I, um, I'm going to release that. I forgot to say, I'm going to release that podcast on the 31st as well. Oh, you are? Yeah, do tell, yeah. do tell. So I'm, I'm making a podcast uh, that's called The Future. That's about um, gender and archetypes. It's about Perfect. like astrology and gender. And that's going to be on your website that I'm going to be linking to, right? You're going to have it yeah. access there? Okay. Yeah. So do note that on the 31st, Mars will also be launching his brand new podcast, The Future. So (laughs) (laughs) we probably all need a little help in that department. So uh, I'm excited. I'll be excited to hear it. I'm I'm happy for you. Thanks. Talk it out. Will it be a weekly program or are you going to be, are you experimenting? Yeah. Okay. Cool. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I can't wait. So look to uh, look to the thirty first for all types of fun things coming out. Um, yeah, yeah. A good way to start off this dynamic twenty nineteen that is coming down. Uh, yeah, totally. So, all right, Mars. Well, thank you so much again for joining me. I really do appreciate it. Bye. <laughs> Bye. Nice to see you. All right, everyone, and thank you for tuning in as well. And as always, may the stars be with you. Mm-hmm.